0: You're not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle.
1: You don't have a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan.
2: You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Cheers. Cheers.
1: Cheers.
3: Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.
1: Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Digital Insurance Pint podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom Reed, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Steve Earle, CEO of Cheap Insurance. Jeff Roy, CEO of Excalibur Insurance, and Adam Mitchell, CEO of Mitchell & Whale. Today we are super pleased to have Nigel Walsh with us from Google all the way over in the UK. Hi, Nigel. How's it going?
4: I am fantastic. Thank you very much. I am both excited and super nervous to be joining you guys.
1: Everybody's nervous at the beginning. By the end, they're all pissed off. So, uh... <laughs>
4: I'm just pleased you said off rather than anything else, so that's good.
1: There is a certain episode in season three that'll be aired that uh, our guest went through a few pops, so uh, we'll see how you do. So I'm going to turn uh, the talk and stick over to Jeff and. Jeff, have at her.
2: Great, thanks, Nigel. Great to have uh, Mister InsureTech, a-, a legend in the industry, on the podcast, and we'll get things kicked off here. We always love to uh throw this question at all our friends across the pond. Who is your favorite Canadian musician, or do you have one?
4: You know, I, I had to search about Canadian mus- musicians. We've never heard of it over here, to be honest. I think the capital of pop. I was g- I was going to go with Justin Bieber, but I figured you guys wouldn't know who he is. You're probably all too old, right? So. Uh, I went with uh, Naked Ladies instead.
2: Oh, that's good. Great, great choice. Great choice. And Justin Bieber, by the way, lives about 40 minutes and grew up 40 minutes from where I live in uh, Clinton, Ontario. So we, we do know who the Beeb is.
3: I'm just impressed that, that Bing, Bing served up the that answer.
4: I actually got it on Ask Jeeves. It was actually, it was quite useful. I said, Ask Jeeves, who is for this? And they pointed me to some, you know, CompuServe thing. Anyway, either that or, or Drake and God's plan. So Drake was... Come on, he is just super cool, right?
2: Now, th- this thrown out to any genre. If you could see any band live in concert at any time in human history, who would the band be? What would the year be? Tell us, Nigel.
4: It's so tough because I'm I'm a '70s boy. I was I live for disco, truly, truly, truly live for disco. But I guess it would have to be the Beatles live in London or Madison Square Garden. I mean, just somewhere big, somewhere iconic. But imagine just seeing the Beatles. That would be something else, wouldn't it?
2: Oh, they're, they're one of the, the probably the best band that's never it's weathered well. Their music's magical. Like the, the uh, McCartney and Lennon, no better songwriters. So
4: and actually, I was late to the music game. As in, I didn't go to concerts till I was a little bit older. My and one thing over the last year is I've missed going to concerts. And we were, we'd seen so many folks over the last couple of years from the weekend. Don't hold it against me. I'm a massive Kylie Minogue fan. Get in, Kylie Minogue. Uh, but I've seen so many folks that over the last couple of years. We've actually got tickets to book to see Elton John, but that's been postponed like two or three times. We've got the weekend booked again. Just come on, let's get back to it.
2: Nice, nice. Well, hey, weekend's a good Canadian artist, too. So, and El- Elton John married, married a Canadian guy. So, there you go.
4: If the, the, the weekend's Canadian, I'll go with weekend. Sorry, Drake. Sorry, Beebs. That's
2: all right. No, he's good. He did a great job at Super Bowl. So, uh, all right, let's flip it on the next question. Nigel, What what is your drink of choice?
4: As an Irishman, I should be flowing with Guinness through the veins, right? But I, I can't touch the stuff. Uh, usually you'll find me with a glass of wine uh, or a gin and tonic. And actually, I think over the pandemic times, again, Mrs. Walsh has had a G&T in her hands. It's got earlier and earlier and earlier. So I've been on the water or the coffee. So, uh, uh, yeah, either that or if it's a nice day like today, it's a cold beer. So... Um, I'm, I'm not a big drinker, but I'll, I'll have one or two or, or three now and then.
2: When you're not enabling tax or changing the insurance landscape using technology, what are you doing in your spare time, Nigel?
4: It's 20 past 10. This is my spare time. What are you on about? <laughs> I uh, I have two young kids, so I've got a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old that keep up most of my time. And outside that, for those that follow me on Twitter, I apologize. But I'm I love fitness. I love cycling. I love getting outdoors. I love challenges. So... It's usually something along that. I've just signed myself up to a uh, 155 mile bike ride in one day, which feels like a really good idea at the time. Mile?
3: 155 mile?
4: 155 miles in one day.
2: Wow! Well done. Buns the steel, chaps. Hope you have a good e-bike. <laughs> hey, uh, what, one other thing too, uh, we noticed that really awesome Porsche behind you on the shelf. There is that another one of your hobbies?
4: I, I love it. I, I, I'm a, I'm a Virgo. I love building things. I've had Lego. You can probably see a, a truck up here. There's a, a tr- classic VW camper over there. There's a Ferrari next to it. I have a petrol head. I love cars. Um, and actually, that's a really great activity with, with the kids, right? So, But it got to the stage. I mean, I, I was just saying that's a 700-page a manual for that thing. And the kids get to an age where you go from helping them to just being redundant. And actually, my son, I was completely redundant for that. He made it all himself. Are
3: all of them Lego? They're all Lego. Yeah,
4: they're, they're all Lego vehicles at the moment. Wow. I got to that heartbreaking moment about six months ago where he was like, dad, I don't want it in my room anymore. I want to get rid of it. And we got loads of star Wars and Harry Potter and all those sorts of cool things. Um, and he just said, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. It's one of those break your heart moments when all the money you spent on Lego is now about to be sold on eBay or Facebook or whatever else to, uh, to go to the next passion.
2: I noticed you guys are getting closer to being able to travel again. Where's the first place you wanna to
4: travel to, Nigel? I'm genuinely not gonna be picky. I would take any, I don't think I've been outside of five miles within my house or 10 miles, if you think about the cycles, or whatever else I've been doing in the last 14 or 16 months. As a family, we love road trips. We spent, you know, six weeks going through uh, California. We did um, San Luis Obispo, Pismo Beach, Santa Monica, Yosemite. We did a trip about two years ago through Arizona, Nevada. Uh, we had one planned last year through Colorado. We want to get out to Canada, obviously. We've got so many things planned. We just want to start traveling again.
2: Uh, all right. Well, the, the guys here in the show, if you show up in Canada, we'll make sure you show you a good time whenever you stop by, for sure. So,
4: hundred percent outdoorsy. Anything to do with hiking, seeing the outdoors, uh, all good fun for us.
2: Awesome. And last question. You're Mr. InsureTech. You're one of the top 50 influencers, number one at times. It kind of wavers between one to five. Uh, you can't be on Twitter all the time. Who are the three people that uh, thought leaders that you admire the most?
4: It is a tough one. What I say about this is it, it, it's a wonderful community out there. Uh, and when you say thought leaders, I, I want people that actually write, have an opinion, create content as opposed to do sharing. And I think everyone's got their role, whether it's amplify a message, help get out there. Um, Theo's great. I mean, she's broad of fintech and suretech tech. Uh, Sabine van der Linden uh, is wonderful. She's got a great um, grasp of what's going on. When you think about what she did with uh, startup bootcamp, uh, Matteo's phenomenal at writing around IoT uh, with the observatory he's built and telematics. Look, what all those things, what all those people hold in common is they're passionate about what they do, and they're happy to go right. We'll all admit we're never right or wrong. We just have an opinion and let's go net it out together. And that's what I like about the folks.
2: It's nice to see people with opinion because a lot of people are in insurance are too scared to have an opinion or they hide it. So uh, bravo, good on you guys. So that's all my questions for now. I'm going to pass it back to our great host, Tom. Thanks, Jeff.
1: And thanks for submitting to all those uh, speed round questions there, Nigel. So let's, 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 uh, Not let's so hear from you. So...
4: Could you say that any slower, Steve? you give it a Red Bull I like the turtle, right? No,
3: it could be his internet. He's, he is on the east coast.
4: Maybe we should get you some Google Wi-Fi. It's quite good, I hear. Is that <laughs> translating across a fucking? That's pond? not a turtle. That's a bird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that. With that. Uh, in our rear view mirror, uh, Nigel. Uh, In your own words sir, give us your bio. What has led you uh, to being with us at uh, O Dark 30 London time on the Digital Insurance Point podcast? What has led up to your guest appearance on our show?
4: I talk about um, my ambition to help people fall in love with insurance. I feel people don't understand it enough, care about it enough, like it enough. And having seen and been responsible for a whole lot of technology transformation over the last 10, 15 dare I say almost 20 years uh, helping organisations implement, engage, and look at things in a different way. Um, my journey to here is, you know, I've been at Google three or four months now, a, an amazing organisation looking from the outside in, a truly awesome organisation on the inside looking back out. Um, prior to that, I spent five years at, at Deloitte where I led, you know, global future of insurance, uh, at, which was again a, a, an amazing opportunity. I co-led on on, on Global InsurTech, but actually I helped non-insurance businesses build insurance businesses. So this is retailers, this is banks, this is automotive companies, this is leasing companies going, you know what, we can ever go at that because no one likes insurance and we can do a good job of it, we own the customer. So I had a really good fun trying to build out and help organizations launch these new businesses from scratch. And they're serious. They are deadly serious about going, you know what, We own the customer we want to maintain our ownership of the customer and we think we can do a really good job of it the barriers to entry to get there are just dropping left right and center and you know the insurtech community as well as i do and what's going on in the investments that are made there's got to be five thousand plus startups now with 40 plus billion dollars invested we are not short of money we are not short of ideas and we're not short of ambition to go after this thing so for me what led up to this is the passion to go help Change the industry for the better and make it much easier for customers, brokers, agents, distribution networks to engage in, in what insurance is today, but more importantly, what it's going to do tomorrow.
1: It's quite refreshing, I think, to hear somebody speak as passionately as you do about insurance. You know, we're the four of us are thick into things here, and sometimes those. Uh, hurdles tend to smack you right in the face. So it's uh, actually really refreshing to hear somebody as passionate as you are about insurance. No, I, I, get, I
4: get I get, it. I, I get it. I, my my worry is actually, I don't know if you guys have got young kids, my worries is twofold. One is my eight-year-old daughter. Will she ever learn to drive? Will she ever need to drive? Now we live in a reasonably um, urban area. We're not in the city. We're a little bit further out. Um but still, her desire to drive. I mean, I remember I was when I was seventeen. It was a long enough time ago. Uh, the first thing you do at seventeen in the UK is you run out the door on your birthday and you get a driving lesson straight away. If you look at things like number of seventeen-year-olds um, or sixteen-year-olds or eighteen-year-olds applying for a provisional license to get going, is falling through the floor. People just don't want to do it anymore because the ability to access an, uh, a rideshare service, an Uber, a Lyft, or whatever else we've got, or a local taxi service is there. So why would I do it? So our change in mindset and attitude to how we treat assets, how we own assets, what we do with it is going to make a huge jump in insurance going forward. And I think I worry that if we don't get ahead of it, we're going to be in a really bad spot quite quickly.
3: The fresh approach to fresh entrance into it. From your past life, what was the... I don't know, most successful or or nicest story you saw where they they had a vision, they executed, and it it worked pretty well.
4: As I talked about earlier, actually, to to someone else, um, if you look at uh, Poncho in Australia, led by a chap called Phil Wilson-Brown and Marcus and a bunch of others, um, Poncho is a startup out of IAG, so one of Australia's largest insurance companies. And what I love about this, they actually won, won... sellance model insurer of the year award i think last year but what i what i like about it is they took the best of the old world so existing applications existing things that were that didn't need to be changed the best of the new world so they took uh, technology from socotras and insurtech mashed it all together and created a proposition that was fit for purpose in today's day and age and now you've got a great brand new insurance proposition which has got a really fresh feel to it it's a um a dynamic, more, you know, a more engaging policy with plain English. It, they've just done a really awesome job at making it work. And I think that says, actually, we don't have to throw out all the old baby with the bathwater. We can take the bits that work still and don't need changing. Add in the bits that we'd like to update to get us a new business model, or whatever it might be, and run faster.
2: I like your idea of the mashup, though, because you know, a lot of ideas don't have to be 500% better. They need to be five or 10% better. You have to make six or seven moments of truth in the client experience a little bit better than your competitors. You don't necessarily have to completely change everything. It
4: doesn't need to be thrown out and started again. You can actually just get these things better by making them 1% better each and every way. Is that the right answer? Sometimes, but not always. And I can come back to that later too.
1: On your LinkedIn page, you talk about lovable insurance. And every marketing person I've talked to in the insurance space talks about insurance as a grudge purchase, which seems to me to be the opposite of lovable insurance. So, in your opinion, Nigel, what does lovable insurance
4: look like? When you mention the word insurance, I even had it a while back. I said to someone I work in insurance, he goes, "Oh, you must be an exciting person at a dinner party." But we, we've all had it, right? You know, you don't want to stand at a bar other than an ITC in Vegas or uh, an insurance conference to go, "I'm in insurance," because. They just look at you and slowly back away going, oh, God, this is going to be really dull. Well, actually, if you think about it, I I look at financial services or, or fintech and banking and go, my kids will live their future without a bank account. It's not necessary. But you can't get a mortgage or drive a car or go on public transport or get into an office without us. So, frankly, we need to be able to be prouder and clearer about what it is that we do that enables life to move as it currently does so for me lovable is either an outward facing thing to get people to understand what it is in a better way and know what they're buying or internally to go actually if you want these things there's a really really great way for us to attract talent and and you you'll see this day in day out how does someone in insurance if we speak oh it's just a grudge sorry as opposed to we're insurance and ultimately we're an AI organization, a data organization, machine learning. My co-host on InsurTech Insiders has a lovely phrase that she wrote, I think in Forbes, where she said, we've got self-driving cars and drones. What have you got? Find me any other industry that's got that. I mean, it's truly, it's kind of like slam dunk, mic drop moment. We've got to be more passionate about um, the industry and what we're doing and how we enable it going forward.
1: I actually saw one of my, former colleagues, I don't know if you guys know Chris Miller uh, up in Edmonton. He's with with um, Lloyd Sad. He gave a very similar speech to a bunch of, you know, a whole crowd of insurance people at a conference, similar kind of concept, which is the world doesn't operate without insurance. Um, and his perspective was a little bit different. Basically it was, you know, go screw yourself by slinking away from me at the party, whereas it seems your approach is a little more like let's, let's grab this by the, uh, by the, uh, short hairs and, and, uh inject some passion back into it.
3: No, I was just saying it's really refreshing of like, it's got me second guessing. I'm like, yeah, what, what is all the graping about? I've been hanging around Angry Steve too long. This is, I need more Nigel in my life.
4: I, I don't know what the system is like in Canada, but if I look at the UK system, my kids will come out of school and they'll know some fancy maths, they'll know geography, history, and whatever else. Will they know how to change a car tire? Will they know how to change a outlet on a uh, a toaster? Will they know what compound interest is? And more importantly, Will they know what insurance is?
2: Now, I know some brokers in the U.S. They're actually educating, going in the schools, educating about finance, insurance, banking, like common sense skills that, you know, you walk out where you're intellectual enough to go to school, but not smart enough to be able to handle real life problems, right? And
4: I, and I think we've got to work out as well where you, where do we go for it? Is it the education establishments issue? Is it a government issue? Or is it a, an insurance industry issue?
1: Nigel, let's, let's put the focus squarely on Canada for a moment. in in your opinion, who are the top five insurtech startups?
4: I'm not sure you're going to call it an insurtech, but I'm going to call it out because it was built by a buddy of mine, uh, and that's Sonnet. And I love what they've done. You you might tell me it's good, bad, or indifferent. I'd love to get your perspective. But the story that Mark tells, at least, is a very strong story. Um, And I like the way it's been done and, and what they've done. I like the fact that economical, transform themselves as an organisation into a tech-driven organisation. I I love that. I think it's a good story to tell. I like what they're up to. Players' health, you know, back to my passion for exercise and fitness. If you speak to Neil Mitchell, he's always stalking me in Strava and giving me encouragement online and whatever else. Um, So I like the idea of actually um, removing or helping risk mitigation for sports professionals uh, and stuff like that. And then, of course, you wouldn't expect me to say anything else other than given where I work today, but someone like Chisel AI. Um, And, you know, we talked about it a second ago about machine reading, or sorry, reading policies. Well, actually, there's got to be a better and smarter way to do it. Chisel won the Zurich first uh, uh, innovation competition led by Mark Budden team. So that was uh, a couple of years back. Um, I just love the whole concept of being able to use technology to accelerate our understanding, get through some of the the monotony whatever else, and bring that to life.
1: I actually... One of my last conferences, I actually met uh, Tyree Burke. I've known Neil for some time. We were at some conference down in Vegas. And I met Tyree. He is a pretty pretty driven, intelligent, passionate guy. It turns out he actually played uh, pro football in Calgary.
2: Nigel, I'd like to hear your term, like InsureTech.
4: Explain to our, our listeners what that really means. So InsureTech is almost uh, enabling business model change using technology.
0: So as a small broker, you know, uh, Part of my job is to future-proof my business. Who do I need to be afraid of?
4: The key point here is if we, if we continue to do what we're doing today, then the answer is probably everyone. If we evolve with it and we change, and no doubt when you started n number of years ago versus what you do today, they're gonna have evolved, are they gonna have evolved at the right pace and scale to meet your customers? How are we gonna deal with my 12-year-old son that doesn't care about insurance Want to read things, but needed to do ride his e-scooter. He hasn't got an e-scooter, by the way. I would, I would absolutely divorce him. We, but we, we've got to make sure that we evolve correctly. And if I'm a small to medium broker today in Canada or, or anywhere in the world, I would be looking at what my next generation wants to look at, how we engage, and what it is we can do to address the almost the value added services. What am I coming to you for today, and what am I coming to you for tomorrow? Because I need you to be front and center. I need to be front of mind and not the tradition. And this is going to change, I think, because products are changing. I need us to be able to say, actually, Nigel, I understand your risk for you better than anyone else. And I can help be that advice. I'll give you a great example. Why do farmers always go back to the same insurance or the same mutual each and every time? Or why do teachers, lawyers, dentists, doctors always go back? Because they go back, because they are the specialists in their industry.
0: So let's say I do all that, but I still can't connect digitally with my suppliers.
4: So the, the choice is there for us to go, well, actually, if you look at the way panels work, um, either in reverse or forward, we get to choose our customers and buy either a location or a specialty or whatever we might be. Equally, the, the, the folks that will help you write that business are the ones that make it easy to do business with. This is true for any industry. If I make us where I currently work hard to do business with, I will not win business. I will not be the person that's got the opinion or the point of view. I will not bring the best capability. I will not attract the right talent. We will just stop. Um, So there's a whole host of things here. And I think you get that choice to go, I think you're now too hard to do business with. I would rather go somewhere else, even if it means it's more expensive, because I can engage in a different way.
0: I had a conversation the other day where it was the statement was made you know if it why don't we as brokers and this was from a BMS provider a smaller one that said well brokers should just all cancel this insurance company or 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 not support them if they're not connected and and my retort to that was why don't we make things easier for the brokers because the uh, path of least resist- resistance will actually win the business. So we don't have to cancel anybody. If you make it easier for me to do business with you as a supplier, my business is actually going to naturally migrate to you.
4: You're you're spot on. I mean, it's very simple. Um, and, And one of the reasons I love our industry is I think we have grown up with a collaborative nature. Do we get it right all the time? Definitely not. But actually the folks that want to collaborate and hear from brokers, customers, different parts of the value chain, whether you're on the claim side or uh, a repair shop or whatever else, that collaboration's got massive opportunity to always improve. And I love the fact, you know, I was chatting earlier to someone, they said, even the principle of underwriting is, you know, you go back to the the traditional Lloyd's market here in, in London, you would walk around with a slip to share the risk. So why don't we share the responsibility of going, how do we make this better for the end user? And I think the digitization process whether it's APIs or forms or whatever else, you don't have to go straight to, 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 to APIs. We'd love you to. But actually, if you can't get there, let's start with a form. And you can go through stages to get the right things for the right people.
2: So a whole evolutionary stage, I guess, digital Darwinism, right? As you mentioned about brokers, we need to keep evolving. It's not the fastest or strongest, but the one best able to adapt to change It survives.
4: You know, if you turn around to people pre-pandemic and say, um, other than Steve, obviously, because nothing happened. Um, but if you turn around to Pope, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. If you turn around to people and said, hey, we're going to move the entire industry and every industry home overnight and not miss a heartbeat, we'd all laugh, wouldn't we? But look at what we achieved as a, as a, as a race, as a nation, as a, as a group of companies. We all operated. Our biggest travesty now would be reverting back to what it was. So what can, we le- what can we learn from it now that allows us to keep bouncing forward rather than elasticate ourselves back to the, the old world?
1: I uh, certainly, for the people that I talk to on a regular basis, a lot of desire to take the momentum that we've, uh, you know, that's been forced on us essentially through COVID and make, make, sure, make sure that we don't, we don't slide backwards.
4: We've had so much stuff, at some point we need to go, right, what do we now need to get rid of? Because we've put loads of sticky back plasters on it to make it work and get through what we need to get through. Now, how do we take some of those plasters off to make it work more efficiently? I'm
0: going to make a statement here, and 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 you you can agree or disagree. What I'm sort of seeing, and particularly in the last, jeez, even sixty days, is that uh, we have a lot of large insurers who have, for years, been saying, you know, we want to be ahead of disruption. We want to be ahead of disrupt. We actually want to be a disruptor that sort of talk what I'm seeing really quickly happen is is that suppliers coming to me when I own the customer at least currently um, they're going to make it easier for me to do business with them that could be a disruptor
4: I think it could be I think and I think the opportunity there is if I look at my own personal financial services as an example I go For certain things to someone that I trust. But it's a really important point. So someone that I trust. And actually I might be old fashioned in this. I've worked with for probably 20 years. And I I, I still check and balance what goes on. But I trust the human engagement. I trust their experience. And I want to understand what my options are. And they've never let me down. They've equally told me Nigel we can't do the right thing for you. you. You need to go do this. And I can't even do it for you because if I could, I would so i've all, I've never felt that I was going to the wrong place. in fact, it's always been my first protocol
2: you know right now it's really about moving friction and you got three major tools you got people capital, or technology. And as we're now seeing, software is completely eating the world. The one good thing about brokers uh, around the world, though, is who's in a better place to disrupt? Uh, we got because we don't actually own the policy. Uber, the largest taxi company, doesn't own any vehicles. You know, Airbnb, the largest accommodation provider, owns no real estate. You know, the most popular media like Facebook doesn't create any content. So we're in a good space in essence because we basically we we don't actually own the insurance company. We can distribute things quickly, but we gotta be very nimble. And as you say, create that experience and get people engaged.
4: I mean, I'm, I'm an insurance guy at heart, secondly, a technology guy. As Steve put it perfectly a second ago, how do we create experiences that customers has come to us for first and foremost? And, and actually the thing I would do in this instance is, actually, if you've created that viral, go to Steve, he's the guy, go to Jeff, he's the guy, um, then you've created everything that you need. Uh, We've seen a whole host of folks do really, really well in in, in multiple different ways, but I'll I'll stick to insurance and transformation from that perspective.
5: Hey, loyal listeners. When you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. A.K.A. Nationwide Brokered Solutions. But like in today's world, we use these initials like it's cool because it is. to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more. mbsbrokerage.com. Cash certified.
1: So we've, you know, we've got uh, distributors, manufacturers, and I'll, I'll lump regulators into that as well in Canada. What, what advice would you give?
4: Yeah, as, I know you've called out Canada, but I, I, I'm not sure, and you, you'll correct me here, how different Canada is to the UK or the USA. I think, I think everyone struggles with the same things. What, what I've been really enlightened by is some of the regulators across the world So if you look at um, the UK regulator, I think it's one of the best sources of innovation and drive if they engage with the industry in the correct way. So you've seen the sandboxes that the FCA um, created in the UK, replicated in Singapore that allow people to go test and explore and experiment in a safe environment. So I think there's a really, really great opportunity for, again, back to my point about collaboration, whether you're a distributor or a manufacturer or a regulator, how do we get ourselves into a room and collaborate rather than one person set the rules another go manufacture the product and someone else be dealing with the, the piece at the end of the day?
2: By the way, bravo on uh, your regulator finally acknowledging dual pricing model and, and trying to banish it in the UK. That's, you know, that was an alarming trend.
4: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the fair market review here is really interesting. It's been, I've, I've actually written about this quite a few times, the loyalty penalty, uh, is really interesting. It, goes, it links back to lots of the things we've talked about, whether it's uh, education or, or elsewhere. Think about, you know, Aunt Edith, who is unwilling, unable and not bothered about going onto a website to go look for something and search for the best price and, and treating customers fairly. So we've got to make sure that we don't create the wrong opportunity for people if people aren't able or willing or capable of looking for a better deal. So I actually, I think the industry's welcomed it. It has a, or could have a profound impact on things like price comparison websites and whatever else, because frankly, they compare price, not value or service. And I'm not sure any of us go out there and say, hey, let's race to zero. We all go out there and go, I'll be there for you if you need me. I've got the best experience on these things. And if there's a claim, don't worry, I got you.
1: Well, yeah, that, that I mean, that, that does come back to how people experience insurance, right? I mean, most people ins- experience insurance, I think 8% or something like that, if people have a claim, right? Those people are loyal, they get the value of insurance. The other 92% see it as a cost. That's where the grudge purchase comes in. So they logically say, oh, it's a commodity, it doesn't matter, therefore price is the only factor, right? So there's a huge piece that the insurance industry is missing.
4: We're all sitting here talking about insurance in the future as it currently stands, but what about what about if the business model of insurance changes dramatically? You know, you look at what Harperstein Steamboiler did in terms of changing the model to preventative maintenance. We've seen all the stories online. You go out to buy an engine for an aircraft these days. You don't buy the engine, you buy uptime. So why am I? What's the equivalent of that in insurance? You look at some of the health insurance and what they're doing to keeping you moving, whether it's uh, John Hancock with Fitbit, whether it's Vitality or uh, Discovery with uh, health plans. What is it we're doing to make sure that you live a healthier, longer life and giving you the option and insight to make a choice. So I think we've just got to start experimenting with how these things might change, could change. And then I guess the next question is, why are we waiting for it? Why don't we just do it ourselves? How many of you how many of you guys have got pets? We
0: have
1: kids. Right? Do they count?
4: I'll tell you what, though. We probably insure our pets more than we insure our kids. And I, I, I laughed at a, uh, a tweet online the other day. There was, a, there was a tweet that said something along the lines of, One of us just paid $600 to see if the other one had gas. And it just made me chuckle because someone asked me the other day, should I get pet insurance for my new puppy? And I know the passion and um, how much of a family member that pets become super quickly. So I think the whole thing here is by engaging early on, by understanding what we can do. There's some really great organisations in the pet insurance space. Playing into the whole, you know, there's what, 11 million new pets in North America during the pandemic with 3 million new pets in, uh, in the UK alone. It's a massive sector. Go a stage further than that. You know, there's a equivalent of a tracker for your pet to work out where it's going or if it's if it's drinking. And there's loads of technology enabling us to work out what they're doing, how often they're engaging and all the other things that go with it. So the opportunity is there for us
1: think my my big my big takeaway from that is that mutual insurers are the future and so uh what do you guys need to call echo and let them know by the way
2: well echo's got echo's got patent insurance but we can't access it for me it's like
0: brokers as entrepreneurs we between me adam and jeff we've had about 20 awesome super ideas over beers in a bar but guess what As soon as we go to our suppliers to say we need somebody to you know put the paper on this. Well, there's legacy system problems
3: and Is it is it not just a really slick marketing wrap around a direct writer? I mean they have a captive agent, they now have broker distribution via some of their API and pieces. Like I don't did they change a whole lot?
4: My my Neo Bank, I'm with Starling Bank in the UK. I love what they do. They're an app only bank, but you know what? They released a web portal. Do I use it? Yeah I do. I enjoy it. My old bank had, a, had a, a not as good app experience, and I had to change for different reasons. They had a great web experience, but they've almost built backwards rather than built forwards.
3: Sonos, Sonos has done it. So way outside of insurance, I realized they started super niche, built a killer brand with a killer interface and customer service, and now they've already come all the way back to portable Bluetooth speakers and wired speakers. It's like, now you've gone back up the value chain or I don't don't know how we want to describe it
4: well what they've done is they've gone where their customers are I have been a Sonos fan from day one and I've talked about it publicly they really frustrated me when they updated the S1 to S2 so I've now got my system split in half drives me mad um but I've got a Sonos move it's probably my best purchase bar none of lockdown I absolutely love it
2: I bought a sonos move too and i bought the two new uh, i bought four speakers from my outside pool and uh it's just amazing how well it works
4: honestly the whole concept of it just works is really important my litmus test for most things in the house is can my kids and can my wife use it so and i'm an absolute gadget super freak when it comes to technology i connect everything if i can um a great example now is, you know, I, 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 I'd be out with my wife and she wants to put the heating on for when we get, get get home or um, put the water on for the kids when they get home from school, whatever it might be. Emma is there on the app doing all these things. I'm like, I've got no, the app's been updated. I've not used it myself for ages. I've got no idea what she's doing, but she's in it. She's all over it. It's simple. So there's a lot to be said for making these. Um, and Steve, you touched on it a minute ago, making these user experiences user friendly.
3: Can we go back to the, the driving side? Like you, you mentioned your daughter is eight and the question from a petrol head and this resonates with me and it, we're sort of thinking about this in our business too, but how long will cars be here?
4: So we've got to balance it. I think countries are very different cultures are very different about where we are. You can go through the, you know, I just saw a, a report yesterday that said cars in the U.S. have reached a new uh, age, the average age of a vehicle is 12 years I think in Europe, it's probably three to five or five to seven. So it's it's changed much more frequently. For my daughter, I think the desire to get around via her own car would have just gone completely. But having the ability to use a car, whether it's a shared vehicle, a EV or a shared autonomous vehicle is going to be quite interesting. Now, at my last shop. We did a bunch of research. that's all public. They talked about if you look at a two by two matrix. Of course, it's a, it's a good consulting shop. Um, we had owned, owned autonomous, shared, shared autonomous, and whilst the top right might have been the safest, it was equally about two thirds cheaper per mile to go there. So, if you give a um, a cash poor, eighteen year old or sixteen year old the option to choose her own car and pay out insurance and maintenance and, 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 or pay for the journey for the infrequent times that she wants to use it, I've got a sense that we're gonna change business model here.
3: So that would say that the driving is gonna become a luxury.
4: I don't think it's a luxury. I think it depends on where you are and what you do.
3: But if you're gonna maintain an air-cooled 911 and be paying for your actual risk because we've diminished the pool of the premiums of the many paying for the loss of the few, it's going to be a bunch of me's and you's driving faster than suggested, um, probably representing a bigger risk profile.
4: Well, we all, as we're all interested, we all know that driving fast isn't necessarily the worst drivers. There's a whole different conversation on that for a different day. Um, but but equally, if you're driving that car, then you are a driver as opposed to someone that's using for commuting. So, so in that instance, it probably is a luxury. But if you're driving a... Um, Uh, a standard four-door sedan and you use it every day as a workhorse for the school run, for commuting from A to B or whatever it might be, then it's a necessity, not a luxury. But if you could do it and you could, I mean, how how many years have we talked about carpooling, right? And whether it's an environmental or sustainability issue or whatever it might be, um, it just makes sense to have less cars on the roads in, in that instance, and there's a load of good reports and research out there over the years about, you know what, I, I, I always am in awe when I go to the US or Canada and see the size and sheer scale of the roads. You know, here, uh, if you've traveled to the UK and you've seen our A roads and B roads, you're, you're basically pulling over to let someone past, single file or, or double file. But when you get to a motorway, it's a three lane motorway, uh, freeway each side. If you add another lane, you don't necessarily reduce congestion, you just add more traffic. And there's loads of studies over the years that says, by adding more capacity, we just create more congestion. This is my personal view, by the way, from things I've read and seen. So maybe the answer is to start constraining it in a different way by taking vehicles off the road and making them more people in there. How many times do you see cars go down the road with one person in them?
0: We didn't address uh, total autonomous though, where you feel that's going. So quick story, my daughter's like 10, I'm driving her to school, she talks to me about when she's going to drive her kids to school, I forget what the story was about, but I said, Grace, uh, honestly, you might actually be putting your kids in a car and the car will take them to school.
4: You look at the vehicles that are on the road today, and if you look at the uh, levels of autonomy from one through five, that are all, again, they're all public. We're not yet at four in many cases but then equally you get in a car today a modern car if you bought a car today none of us would turn on a, a light none of us will flick the windscreen wipers and we'd all be assisted by lane assist or abs or whatever else so since 1957 is it when it when seat belts came out and were made mandatory cars have just got safer technology today it's going to just become more every single year that goes by. So at some point that gets us to a point that says, well, we can do it for you and we can do it safer for you. And I, I'm a big movie buff. I love movies. I love bad movies, sadly. You look at the beginning of um, this is probably years of too much travel. You look at the beginning of iRobot with Will Smith in the vehicle and he's going, you know, he's, he's in there. There you go. Hey, let me do manual override. And I love that because he's going, I can do it better than the machine. Well, you just have to go look on YouTube and and you'll see that actually, in fact, we all know from an insurance perspective, we as humans are probably the worst part of the driving experience bar none, right?
3: So two things I want to try on for size, and then I'll hand it over to Tom, as I I know he's trying to bring us to a close. But you hit on the idea I've been thinking for a while, that there's going to be this halfway point, or maybe it's the full evolution, where... um, you, you get to buy your GT3, and it'll be there, and it'll have autonomous mode, which will be the modern version of cruise control, and it'll take you to work. And then you can hit off, and it goes no nannies, all fun. And But your telematics device is now going to bill you $0.80 cents per kilometer on your risk profile when you put it back into full go smart mode, Um you know, it's back down to a penny a kilometer.
4: Like the best 80 cents you've ever spent in your life.
3: We, we know telematics are starting to emerge in our marketplace where there's hard-breaking events and there's acceleration and there's cornering. What if those just added up as risk points? And if you had a spirited drive that day, much like you consumed more gas, you consumed more
4: insurance. What you're describing now, though, is the difference between pay as you drive versus pay how you drive. And what you might end up with is... If you think about, you know, first party or even third party liability and theft or whatever else it might be, you might sit there and go, here's the core thing that I need. And there's startups like Cover in the UK with Freddie McNamara or Buy Miles with James and team that give you this. Here's your core stuff that you have to have. Tick to regulation. As you then flex it, depending on the number of miles that you do above and beyond that or how you drive or whatever else that you do, we'll charge you more. It's no different than a cell phone plan, is it? It's no different than a health plan that says, Adam, you know what? Uh, you can do all the things that you want, but as you go above these things that you choose to do, we're going to bill you more for it. But if we give you the, if we give you the insights, it's like telling Steve. If you tell Grace, don't put your hand in a hot fire, you're going to burn it. She's only ever going to do it once, right? Because she's going to realise it's, it's hot. So we can get all the insights and advice from. Peers, parents, brokers, wherever. How do we use that insight to then take action ourselves? I know the bag of candy I had earlier is bad for me. I still hate it.
2: Change is slow until it's not. So I think you're right. It's going to be faster than we think. You know, it seems like nothing's happening and then everything happens and they hit that tipping point, as Malcolm Godwell would say, right? So I think the tipping point sooner than we think, but, you know, people in Canada think we might have a five-year, ten-year runway. You know, the numbers are over the map, right? But some of the challenges right now, in rural for these self-driving cars is snow, uh, just identifying snow, blizzards and driving through that when you don't have great Wi-Fi connections. There's certain areas that we're not going to be there is quick. So, so th- some of the areas might be a little more delayed rolling out, but uh, I think you bring some good points uh, and you've really stretched, I think all our mind about the invisible insurance and the invisible touch.
4: Ask us five years ago, would we, we, would we all be sitting here on video chatting to each other uh, across the world? We'd laugh. We'd, no way we'd have to get together. Let's get on a plane, come together and go grab a beer. And by the way, I'd love to do it next time we're all together. Let's definitely go grab a beer together. Um, right. I'm, I'm, I- I, I'm all in on that. But this has also enabled a whole new level of collaboration and communication that is just different. It's not better or worse.
3: It took this sort of event to force the whole world and all the companies and executives into saying, well, you're trying it.
4: I, I had a whole series on Twitter where I had, it took a pandemic, but, and I, as much as there's been misery and horrible experiences for so many, I think there's so many good things that have come out of the pandemic as well. And, and you already know I'm an optimist, right? So... I think there's lots of things that we've done. Telehealth, telemedicine has gone through the roof. Go back to the comment. You, look, you listen to uh, Dr. Ali Pasta, the founder of Babylon, on any of the podcasts. He talks about physicians never wanting to use telemedicine. We always need to be in person. Uh, we took my daughter to the doctor. Uh, we, did a, we did a video appointment, first and foremost. She had a lump under her skin. She said, we can't see it on video. Come in. But you know what? How many of us are now going to sit in front of a, and this is even worse as men, how many of us are going to sit in front of a doctor's surgery for three hours after this wait, waiting the six months to get there? We have no qualms or issues. We're picking up our phone and going, book an appointment. It's this time. Get it done. So we never get back to the old world in that way.
1: Now, I'm a Rush fan, so some of you will also be Rush fans. Nigel,
2: you may not know who they are.
0: Hardly anyone yeah, in the world is a Rush fan.
2: Oh, so go to bad. hell, Steve. I'm a Rush fan. I like Rush. Thank you. Nigel would like Rush if he... God, we'll have to send them an MP3, so.
1: Go, go find, go find the song called Red, Red Barchetta. It tells you exactly what, what the future of driving is. Anyway, um, so uh, Nigel, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, so first off, huge thanks for coming on the show. It was fascinating. Love the passion and the, uh, the candor. Um, I do have to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, our title sponsor, IFS Premium Finance. Uh, also our sponsor crew group and Garrison. And uh, of course our charity partner, Wick. Nigel, I'm gonna get you to uh, wrap us up here, the last word. And maybe if I can say whatever you want, but if you um, would be so kind as maybe to give some advice, we have hundreds of brokers who'll be watching this episode. Uh, All, you know, most of them small business owners, most of them don't get a chance to talk to someone like yourself. Uh, so, if you want to offer some words of advice to these folks who are dealing with the pandemic, dealing with carriers not connecting to them, dealing with crazy techs popping up all over the place, you know, if you could offer them some words of wisdom and advice, that would be super appreciated.
4: My, my advice is, genuinely, we need to use our scale and our agility and not be afraid of change. Period. Right? You go and look out there at some of the innovation whether it's broker tech and what Dan and the team are up to, there is so many good things going on out there. If we stand still, whether you're an industry giant, a hundred-year-old organization, or a 20-year-old broker, then things are going to change, and they're going to change in front of you. And I've always been told you either watch the world go by or make the world go by. And I genuinely think that brokers will be here for a very, very long time. What we do will be different How we engage may be different, but the trust and engagement that we've got will only get stronger. So don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. And we don't need to wait for it. Just go drive it.
2: Nigel's trying to bring sexy back to insurance. Love it.
4: Hang, hang on. Hang on. Isn't that Justin Bieber bringing sexy back?
2: So Justin Timberlake. We're close though. Close.
4: Ah, done. Okay.
2: All right. It- so no, that was good. That was awesome, bud. Really appreciate you. You know, sorry for stalking you online there a couple of times, but uh, really appreciate you clearing some time for us. You know, I've always been a huge fan uh, following the tech and just your thought leadership and your comments and it's your personality, just how everything's happened. Mateo's, I got to meet Mateo at tech in Vegas and that was a cool moment. I have a lot of respect for him. So, you know, just, you guys are doing some great things. And
4: What we need is to buy Mateo some socks.
2: <laughs> His feet are that smelly?
4: Oh, uh, I I always tease him. We were at ITC and I was sitting at the ice cream parlor in, in the hotel and I walked past and he's there. And maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but, I, you know, I wear socks with my shoes. And he was there, very European, not wearing socks with a suit. I'm like, come on. Can you imagine the British tailors going mad on that one?
2: That's, that's Miami Vice. I guess he's trying to get the American Miami Vice look. But uh, it's funny. He does like to meet in the ice cream parlor.
4: There you go. See, we've all got a story. He, look, I, I love his enthusiasm. I generally love his enthusiasm, his passion. And what, he, what, he, what he's built with IoT Observatory is great. It's really good insights. Again, community. It's community.
3: Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers.
2: Nigel Welsh, it's pretty uh, pretty big for the show, guys. What do you think?
3: I, I'll be I'll be honest. I, I didn't give full credit or i don't think i had the full context of of who he was and what he was doing right and uh uh jeff you you had been following him knowing him and sort of amazed there's there's no doubt in my mind why he is making those lists as the most influential or you know if that's not the the best blue flame thinker we've had on like i i now want to have a super show with him and taylor rhodes and and we'll see who else we loop in that's to me anybody ever
1: wants to come back to our show afterwards but
3: well i've now just got a whole new mandate for the show i i just want to invite guests though that are that cool to talk to
2: no, he had some great insights. You know, the scary part about the invisible insurance, and we talked about that, uh, I forget, in season two with somebody about invisible insurance. That was maybe Theo or somebody. We mentioned the concept, but he's really brought it home about uh, the watch watchouts, you know, but he's very humble. He's like, guys, as long as you do a little bit and try and get a bit better and and stay tuned and work at it, you get a future. People want advice. You know, he taught, he, he was very encouraging, but on the other hand, if you don't, there's people there ready to eat your lunch. So he had a very good message and just a cool guy to talk to. Like, you know, just to, to talk. And it wasn't just all about the insurance, right? It was about what's going on in the UK, what he's doing. I just thought it was a great conversation.
1: I got a, I got a definite undertone. It was very, you know, obviously very, very nice guy besides being a super smart guy. But I, got, I definitely got an undertone there of if you want something, like get off your butt and go do it. Like don't take no for an answer. If, insert name of domestic carrier here won't help you out, you know, then knock on Munich Rees door and go, you know, bypass your carrier
3: totally he, he's got no baggage like no excuses like here we have and i've been sitting here thinking like man we've just been grumbling for a year and here's a guy that's been busy getting shit
2: done of like get out of the way we're doing it His love of insurance is contagious right like it, you know if you sit talk about how bad it is what are you going to think it's bad it's a grudge by it's terrible he talks about how to make it simple
3: we have autonomous cars and drones mic drop i was like yeah fucking can we do like encore
0: you know the scary part was Invisible insurance might eat your lunch and all that kind of stuff. But the positive was, okay, your suppliers, uh, like they're the ones who might get disrupted because you, you, you guys are distribution and you have tons of options. Like go get creative and be distributors.
2: And, and he really, really had a good vibe about uh, collaboration too, about the power of it. Look, look how well he's an influencer, number one in the world for insuretech influencer. Like you can totally see how he was because he just, he, he gets that conversation and half the battle is having the conversation. Second part of the battle is getting the right people in the room. But if you're on wrong people in the room, it's making a pivot. And he basically said that, Hey, you get the wrong person, move on.
1: Right. I, I love this comment about, about sort of the mutual approach and, and, uh, Call it social circus for lack of a term, and when he was talking about that, I was in my head. I was thinking, man, what if, what if I got everybody in my neighborhood? You know, there's a hundred houses sort of in spitting distance of my place. What if everybody? was, you know, was insured through the same place and got a discount if our neighbor didn't have an accident. You
2: know, we'd all be looking out for each other.
3: Well, and how many different things like, you know, we threw out the mission to make insurance not suck, but like, quite frankly, there's still a lot of things that suck.
2: Yeah. And then how many things are we trying to, you know, I know a lot of people on the call here, all four of us are doing stuff, whether it's go paperless, whether it's DX initiative, whether it's connectivity, we're trying to give time to make it suck less and we're trying to control what we can control. And you know there's only so much you can do, but at least we're trying to do something. We're not sitting around, you know, back to talk thing waiting or trying to get through the turnstile of life with somebody else's push. It's a difficult time to
0: pivot in the sense of you have 80% of our suppliers going through a uh, legacy to new system change right now who... They've all shit the bed on it. The good
2: point is Tom's brought up with the research done at IBAC that, you know, the, the here's the uh, here's the standards and I've tightened up the CESIO standards. So these people that want to jump onto it have never had a better roadmap to get stuff done. So we're starting to find a way through. We're starting to lead the blind. We're starting to start out with the brokers as opposed to being done to us. We're making it happen. So as much as we, let's try to disguise how the beer's half full, Steve, even though mine's empty. It's it's better than we think it is, and I think Nigel's kind of instilled that into us. He gives us this hope. Those people that kind of light a fire inside you, not under you. You need people like Nigel to light a fire. Like why why not us? Why not now?
3: Well, what was his closing thought? Like what do you you can either oh he had a really elegant line for you can you can.
2: You can be ahead of the pace, or you no, can follow. It no, no, that
3: speed. wasn't it. No, you can
2: watch. You can watch the world go by, or you can, you can you can you can help make the world happen. Right. This is why we're not working okay. for Google.
1: This was ten minutes ago, for God's sakes. Hey, this is why I have a headset in my basement, and he's building seven hundred page Porsches. <laughs> Although, back to Steve, to your point, that's what I just want to talk to them for a second about you know eighty percent of insurers going through legacy change. Actually, if we can get them to see it this way. This is the perfect time to have these kind of conversations because the worst time is after they spent 50 to $300 million building it and you go, oh, can we add one more thing? And they're like, nah, it's over, man. We just spent a ton of money. Like, we're done. Look at a
0: company. I won't name names, but they own Sonnet. Um, they bought Guidewire and they chose to go the cheaper route because it was cheaper to... Uh, have only direct bill. You you can
2: watch the world go by or you can make the world go by. I think that's exactly what he said. God bless Evernote. His one thoughts I like the best too is we need to use our scale and agility and not be afraid of change.
5: Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not.